Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Of all the comments we hear there in our brand new spiffy opening, I think we're gonna identify more with one set than the other this week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Welcome to it. And this week, the first up film we're going to look at is a remake of the 1979 Martin Brest, George Burns, Art Carney vehicle called Going In Style. Semtex Steel has frozen all pension payments. I'm thinking of robbing a bank. I'm thinking about buying a Ferrari. I just got drafted by the Knicks. Good week for everybody, huh? Williamsburg Savings will manage the liquidation of the fund. These banks practically destroyed this country, and nothing ever happened to them. I want to rob that bank. Let's go get our money back. Yeah. This remake pretty much follows the same formula as the 1979 original. You've got the director, Zach Braff who you may remember as the star of Scrubs, of course, on sure, TV. And sure. then he, he Garden uh, directed State. Garden State, which is one of those movies that really hasn't aged as well no, as no. some others. But uh, And then he did Wish I Was Here mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. which didn't do much at all. So he is back directing, and the writer here is Theodore Melfi, who is coming off St. Vincent mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. And then he Hidden just figures. wrote Hidden Figures. So I'll tell you what, though, he has a problem going into straight-up comedy because this is one of those quote-unquote funny movies where maybe I laugh twice. Um, yeah, it's it's. there's a lot of problems with going in style, but you look at this, the cast. I was going to say, what a waste of a great cast. Yeah, as I said, the first, the original, it was uh, George Burns, Art Carney, and Lee Strasberg, the famous acting uh, coach who did a few roles, and that was one of them. Uh, this time, you've got the three retirees as Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, and Alan Arkin. Nice. Yeah, three great legends, and they play these three retirees in New York who are swindled out of their pensions from some corporate shenanigans. And when Michael Caine's character gets the foreclosure notice on his house, he goes to the bank to try to plead his case. And right in the middle of that, the bank gets robbed. So he is impressed by the slickness of the heist, and he's unimpressed with the detective, played by Matt Dillon, hmm. who's on the case to track down the robbers. So he gets with his friends and thinks, you know what, why don't we just get on on this and rob our money back? And it just starts um, a series of cheap gags and lazy comedy and jokes about old age ad nauseum (laughs) and yeah because the first thing about it is when the guys his friends start protesting about pulling this job well you know what's the worst could happen we get life in prison and how long could that be because we're so old Uh, oh man yeah it's uh it's not a movie that um had me laughing very much and uh one of the things one of the problems again we talked about this cast, and you think, okay, well, at least I get to see them have some interplay with each other. But through 98% of the movie, they seem so intent on overdoing the age of their characters with all the aches and the pains and marumatiz or whatever it is, <laughs> that they don't seem like real people. Then when you get to the very last few minutes of the movie, suddenly then, having, I guess, been rejuvenated by their crime spree, there are the guys that we wanted to watch wanted the whole time. to watch with some nice, easy chemistry that they seem like real people. But up until that, and I guess I'll blame it on you know the director, Zach Braff, 
that's how he's he's having them play these parts, and it's just it's so eye rollingly obvious. And mm. and they get him before the actual heist occurs. They get him into these ridiculous situations. They they decide to do a a practice run, so they rob the local store, and you know they're stuffing big roasts down their pants in the middle of a supermarket, and and then for some reason a gag is where let's all let's all have them sit there and just get their reactions as they watch The Bachelor. <laughs> Like, that's so outrageous, and that's so funny. So it's just lazy comedy uh, like that. And then now, when once they get to the actual heist, suddenly it's like dropped in from another movie, one that might have been a little bit interesting, <laughs> where Zach Braff decides to get a little stylish with the camera work and maybe some split screens and three screens and also throws in a little subtle visual comedy, which, oh, look at this. <laughs> Where's this been yeah, for the last e- exactly. 90 minutes? It seems in a totally different movie, and it gets your interest up a little bit, but just can't hold it because it, it's, it just goes on with this these obvious gags, and, and it goes to places where you know it's going, and the just cliché characters and unrealistic uh, characters and really such manufactured they go so far out of their way to try to manufacture a gag or manufacture a joke that sad it is sad because these are three great right you know talents and uh it could be a treat as i said just to watch them play off each other and unfortunately it is not here and not that the first one the original one was so good it's better than this you know i could see them looking at it as a vehicle okay we'll get Re- remake it with some some veteran actors like sure, this, sure. and uh, I could see they had a a decent idea, but boy, the execution just not there. It starts with the script and just uh, goes south from there. So not a recommendation for going in style this week at all, unfortunately. And the other big studio release is one for the kids. It's the latest adventure from Smurfs. Smurfs, the Lost Village. Two days ago, I saw someone who looked like us. That's impossible. And they dropped this map. What if they were never alone? If there really are other Smurfs out there, we need to find them. What if this means the Lost Village isn't a legend? Now you're talking about maps and mystery Smurfs. What's going on in here? None None of of your your business, business, Nosy. Well, all right. We're not in Smurf Village anymore. Wow, 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 wow. George. Say it. I hate the Smurfs. I hate, I hate the Smurfs. Them. We, you know, we have... I like animated films. I really do like family films. I really, I can make myself, I hate, I hate them. We have to acknowledge our liberal media bias that going into this movie, we just don't like the Smurfs. Neither one of us, for different reasons. I remember when I was in high school and my twin sisters were little, and I'd come in the house and they're constantly watching the Smurfs. It bugged me then. They're calling everything Smurfy this and That's Smurfy the thing. that. One adjective. You can't live a life with one adjective. They just so bugged me. And I'm sorry. And, and I, I mean, I watched it. I was a little kid when that was yeah. on TV, and we watched it because when at that time oh. you didn't have that many channels, kids, right. and you just watched whatever cartoon was on because that was what you had to take. And, and we liked it. That's right. And Gargamel, I remember not hating oh. Gargamel. I always liked the villains, as you know. Um, but I, I just. I just hate, I hate the Smurfs. I can't stand them. And so we're not going to have a very unbiased opinion of this movie, George. We're not. We're just going to say, you know, parents, if you like the Smurfs, God bless you. Or if your kids like the Smurfs, it's a way to pass some time. <laughs> 
on a rainy day. With keep, a lot of blue, a lot of blue on the screen. Keep them occupied. And you know what? We feel your pain because we had to take, when our son was little, we had to take him to all the Pokemon all movies. All the Pokemon movies. And I tried. This is, these are movies where I tried really very, very hard to fall asleep. I wanted to fall asleep in these movies. I couldn't do it. So if that's your plight, parents, with these movies, feel your pain. But uh, it will keep the kids interested. You've got some celebrity voice. Julia Roberts yeah. is a celebrity voice. You've got people like Rain Wilson. Uh, Smurfette this time is um, Demi Lovato, the pop singer. You've also got Megan Trainer, another pop singer in there. So pop, the pop singer voice. And Ellie Kemper, people that you, you Michelle Rodriguez. So you might want to try, you know, pick the voice, guess the voice, maybe. <laughs> To pass the time, but it's a little adventure where they're going to the Lost Village to find this secret of the the Smurfs' existence that goes way back. And, uh, you know, unless that secret is somehow it was all just a bad dream that we're going to get rid of, (laughs) it's not one that was going to make me happy. So, again, our bias is right out there out front. Didn't care for it, but um, if if it's your bag or if your kid's bag... Uh, you know that uh, pretty much know what you're going to get going into it, and mm-hmm. that is the Smurfs, the Lost Village. And another one, boy, you talk about, as we did with um, uh, Going in Style, some talents, some names where you see them put together, and you think, oh, this might be something, and unfortunately it turns out not to be something, at least not something good, and that's a movie in limited release this week called Queen of the Desert. Gertrude Bell. I had no idea who this was. And so I'm just going to say I really love the new big thing where movies introduced me to these phenomenal historical concepts, hidden figures, for example, that Even I didn't know anything about. Free State of Jones. Exactly. That I didn't know anything about, and I'm, and I'm super glad to know, yeah. right? Uh, so Gertrude Bell... Uh, was an amazing human being. She traveled everywhere. She climbed all of the mountains. She wrote everything down. She was published all of the time. She she influenced culture. She influenced politics. And she personally hand-drew the border between Iraq and Jordan in the early 1900s when British women didn't even have the right to vote. Amazing. That is amazing. I wish any of that had been in this movie. <laughs> so you take that story and you get it. To, you get the star... Of Nicole Kidman. And Never you, a bad idea, and Nicole Kidman. And you get the uh, writer-director, Warner Herzog. That seems to be the problem. <laughs> and the thing is, I love Werner Herzog. Yeah. He's fascinating. He does amazing films. He really does. But the more I think about his sort of full list of, of uh, movies, he's never really done a lot with a strong female protagonist. I kind of feel like this story was outside of his wheelhouse. One of the things that's a problem, and I do love Nicole Kidman. I think she's phenomenally talented. She's also um, almost 50, and this character is 26. Woo-hoo. So at, that's a bit of a problem. Uh, but then that's honestly, so that's the first thing I thought of going into this, but honestly it's the least problem of this movie. So this fantastic, fascinating, bold woman is is being shown in the most traditional, imaginable possible way, which is to say her relationships with men define her throughout this entire movie. It's mm. enough to make you want to throw up. Uh. Um, and, and you know, and, and but also it's so badly written where there's just scene after scene after scene of Gertrude telling a bunch of male authority figures she's going to go do something so they can tell her she better not and then cut to her doing it. Why don't we just see her do these things? Why don't you just show me something fascinating? And even when she goes and does something, those scenes are basically just her... Showing a bunch of men that she's got spunk. Oh, my God. I hated, 
hated this movie. Well, and also, it's always... I would rather sit through the Smurfs again. Whoa. You got to think about that now. <laughs> but it's always worse when you have high expectations because of the people right. people involved. Yeah, that's too bad. So another hoo-hoo, not a recommendation at all for Queen of the Desert. But one that we were looking forward to, another another one in very limited release. But if, if this is your kind of thing, as it is ours, you might want to seek out Prevenge, the latest. It's a writer, director, star that we love, Alice Lowe. We've met Alice Lowe, cinematically speaking, in Sightseers. Ben Wheatley directed, Alice Lowe co-wrote and co-starred. It's it's one it's a horror film, but it's just barely yeah, registered as horror, horror film. Comedy. It's a it's a black, black British comedy. It's so funny. And uh you, well, you can sort of s- like this is, this film is too. Exactly. That's the thing. That's what you can really see from here is that she has she is a master of just exploiting the awkward social moment for as far as you can take it for comedy's sake. And that, and that droll British humor. Very dry, yeah. very funny. And she plays Ruth, and Ruth is seven months pregnant, and she believes she can hear her daughter in in utero telling her to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because, and one of the things that's interesting is that, in fact, Alice Lowe was seven months pregnant while they filmed this movie. And so it just gives the whole thing... A very authentic, weary sort of prepartum depression about yeah. it. Um, but her timing, her blackly comic timing is so spot on. And it really opens very strong when she kills the first person because he's this weird, creepy, exotic pet store owner. And everything <laughs> he says is this double entendre to this woman who's like a mom and she's seven months. It's just, and then the. And then the next one is even yeah. better this disco stew. So, I mean, it's just. So it's a series, you and, know, of murders. And you don't know at first why no. she's picking out these people. It turns out there is a reason, and they get to that in their own time. And that's kind of one of the things I liked about her as a director, writer, is that she gives you information as you need it, you know, as the story builds, because it keeps you interested. But it never loses its sense of humor, um, and it never... It, it takes turns you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're expecting it to get schmaltzy at some point... It's yeah. not gonna. Yeah, so that is Prevenge. You'll have to seek that one out. I believe it's on some of the uh, streaming services right now. If you right have now. Shutter, it's on Shutter. Yeah, so you could seek that one out. We enjoyed it. That is Prevenge. And another one in limited release and also out on streaming at the same time is one that we're interested in for a few reasons. Uh, it's called Aftermath. It's the latest movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and... It was actually filmed and is set in our home base here of Columbus, Ohio. That's right. Remember when they were uh, filming it uh, last year, and now it's out. And I will tell you, it's not a great movie, but it is one of Arnold's best performances. Very understated, very dialed down. It's based on a true story of a Danish uh, air collision between two airplanes when the um, this one man blamed the air traffic controller involved, blamed him for the death of his family, and went and found him. And uh, to say any more would be a spoiler, but that's what it's based on. And uh, Arnold plays, of course, the father, and uh, Scoot McNary plays the air traffic controller. He's always good. Scoot McNary is kind of, I think, an underappreciated character actor. I like him in everything. Actually, this movie's produced by Darren Aronofsky. It was written by the guy that wrote Enemy. Right. That head trip of a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Loved that movie. Yeah. Now, now the direction, it was directed by uh, the director of a a movie, a little-known movie called Nightingale. Nightingale. Yeah, um, the direction, I think, is where this movie has the most problems. Uh, but it's it's decent, I will say that, and it's worth checking out. 
uh, especially if you like it's it's a very you know it's it's just, this is not the feel good movie of the year. It's really draped in some sadness and regret. But if you want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger in really a role that you're you're not used to seeing him in, and he and he does pretty darn well. Uh, it's called Aftermath, out this week uh, in a limited release in theaters and on streaming, which takes us right into a couple that uh, of note that are also coming out on home video this week. And the first one is one that you really loved. I didn't love quite as much, but it's from one of your very favorite directors, Jim Jarmusch. It's called Patterson. Adam Driver plays a bus driver in Patterson, New Jersey, and his name is... Patterson. Patterson. Um, and it's a, it's one of those things. It's a very, very small film, but it is about patterns. Uh, it, it just shows you patterns. It talks about patterns. And it's just visually and it's so lyrical and low key and poetic. And Patterson, the bus driver, is a poet. And it's it's you know, if it's not your cup of tea, if you want a lot to happen, it's probably not for you. <laughs> no. But it is a lovely, lilting, wonderful movie, and um, Adam Driver is brilliant. Yeah, and that's Patterson out this week on video. Also out this week, Office Christmas Party. Uh, this is the Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston, and a cast of funny people. This is one that I maybe liked a little bit more than the general consensus. I thought it did have some laughs. It's mm-hmm. not great, uh, but I I pretty much like Jason Bateman in, in anything. anything. I'm really. with you. He he can just improve almost anything, and he improves this. And there are a few laughs. Not it's not a laugh riot throughout, but uh, you know if you just want something that uh, give you give some laughs and then forget it. I think a a lukewarm recommendation for Office Christmas Party. Uh, out this week on home video. Looking forward to next week. There's a big one, big one in the franchise. I, I think we're up to what, 14 or 15 now? Eight. With the fate of the furious, and actually the last one, I kind of I enjoyed the last one more because the director was John Woo. Yep. And to me, they just said, "All right, the heck with it. We're going to make this." Basically a superhero movie. And it's funny, actually, I think they took that turn two, at least two films ago, where it, it's like they just gave up on yeah. pretending of that course. cars and humans can do this. And and once they did that, I think you're right, the, the movie took on a bit more charm. Yeah, so I really actually liked the last one better than probably anything else in the series. So we'll see what this, ha- what this has to offer. Fate of the Furious next week, and also with Charlize Theron, by the way, mm-hmm. so... We'll see if, uh, if that uh, what that adds to the proceedings. He usually, as Jason Bateman does, can class up any That's joint. That's true. So we'll see about that next week. And also another one for the kids, animated movie called Spark uh, comes out next week. Susan Sarandon, one of the celebrity voices in that. So those are next week's offerings. We'll get to that. And until then, uh, hit us up if you have some uh, some thoughts on these movies or others that are out this week. You can find us easily on Twitter. We're always there. Mad Wolf, that's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also uh, Facebook, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can check out all the written reviews uh, of all the new movies and some other shenanigans as well. That's MadWolf.com. So the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.